asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. Let's be honest, the first place our family turns to when we're looking for a quick getaway is always Airbnb. I know we can find an amazing place to stay at the beach, like St. Simons on the Georgia coast, for instance. Mm -hmm. It's one of our favorite spots. That's what comes to mind, Matt, when I'm thinking about travel. And while you're staying at someone else's home, have you ever thought about what you could be doing with your own home? That's right. Your empty space could be an Airbnb while you are away because that is all you need to become an Airbnb host. It's a lot easier than you think and you don't need to Airbnb your entire house. You could just host your extra spare room if you've got one. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at Airbnb.com slash host. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Welcome to How to Money. I'm Joel. I'm Matt. And today we're talking frugal travel with the New York Times' Elaine Glusak. That's right. Everyone loves to travel. Who doesn't enjoy exploring a new country, right? Or, or tasting new and interesting foods, diving into the history and culture of a new city. Or if you are less adventurous, at the very least, I'm thinking like kicking back and living like a local. That might sound appealing to you. Uh, but the problem is that it's too expensive to travel. Or so you think. Uh, and this is why we are excited to have Elaine Glusak, a.k.a. the frugal traveler from over over at The Times, joining us on the podcast today. We're going to discuss the tricks to book the most affordable flights. We're going to talk about the best time of year to travel, uh, maybe Elaine's favorite under-the-radar destinations, uh, and plenty more on the topic of travel today. Elaine, thank you for joining us. Wow, thanks guys so much for having me. It's great to be here. We're glad we could pin you down. Like you're not wandering in <laughs> Siberia or walking the Great Wall of China or doing yeah, twenty thousand feet, right? <laughs> yes, in a yeah. submarine under the ocean. I think neither of ocean. those places are allowable at the moment. But yes, <laughs> far flung okay. places are on my radar. <laughs> right, well, we're glad to get to chat with you, Elaine. And uh, the the first question we ask everyone who comes on the show, uh, I, I'm guessing I could pick probably the answer to this on your behalf. But Matt and I, we like to splurge. <laughs> like we drink craft beer and we spend more than some people think is smart uh, on our craft beer. But what, what is something that you like to splurge on in the here and now while you're also saving and investing for the future? Well, bravo. I also like craft beer. But beside that, I feel like travel <laughs> is my big splurge. <laughs> I literally, like my car is like 12 years old and I'll, I won't replace it until it dies. And, you know, really, I'm never going to be confused for a fashionista, but I feel like <laughs> I want to spend all my money on travel and, and things associated with travel. But even I guess within travel, I mean, that said, um, occasionally I will spring for an airline upgrade, like on a 
international flight. There's um, these airline auctions for upgrade spots, like uh, like mm. a business class seat. And you might get, get an offer and you can bid on it. And so you might get like a first class seat for an extra $200, $400. And, um, you know, sometimes when it's a 14 hour flight, you're like, yeah, I think I can make that. You know, I can I can uh, justify that. Yeah, that certainly feels so. Travel in general, that that seems like it's more in the vein of work for you, right? Since this yeah. is this is what you do, but the uh, that seat upgrade that that certainly sounds more like personal part this. this yes, 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 you're things, right about that. Yeah. How did you get into travel? You know, you call yourself a travel addict. Like, what what led to to your obsession with traveling the world? Oh wow, good question. I mean, uh, my my family were always really big travelers, and you know, we just sort of did a lot of road tripping around. And you know, my parents were the only people that I knew at the time that like visited Yemen that like weren't in the military or government. Like, hmm. you know, they hmm. traveled far and Very wide cool. and sort of instilled <laughs> that in me. And and I think um, once I started my journalism career, I think gradually you sort of gravitate to you know what really compels you. And and for me, that was always travel. All right. So how did you get to become the frugal traveler writer at the New York Times? And also, is it the greatest job on earth? I think a lot of people sitting on the <laughs> sidelines would say like, I go to work every day. Elaine's work is to go travel places and write about it. I'm doing something <laughs> wrong. I'm jealous. Like, what did I do wrong in life? <laughs> no, they're not wrong. Like, I have nothing to complain about. Like, it's so great. To do what you love is, is just a, is a, is a real blessing. But yeah, you know, I just had... You know, I sort of took a very new sort of approach to travel, which I think jived with what's, what the New York Times does. You know, a lot of travel writers are in it for um, the perks of free free travel and stuff. And I, I sort of thought, well, hey, no one's really thinking about this as, as a business and an industry. And how does that affect consumers? And, um, you know, I really just educated myself in the whole industry. And I think that, that sort of gave me sort of, you know, a good perspective on how to write about the industry for people that are actually paying for it. So I guess yeah. some of that reporting must have distinguished me to, to uh, my editors and, and they asked me uh, to take the take on the column, which was really an honor. Very cool. Yeah, that's and that's obviously what we're interested in, the, the consumer side of things, being able to do that right. affordably. But also you just do such a great job kind of weaving oh, a narrative of traveling, right? So it's kind of like a, like a travel diary in a sense. But um, mm -hmm. all right. Let's talk about airfare. When it comes to international travel, at least, that's oftentimes what you're going to be spending the most money on. One of the so. biggest cost centers, for yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. So right. we've seen prices on airfare inflate, I think, more than anything else over the past couple of years. Do you think it's harder to travel frugally, given the current inflationary environment that we're experiencing? Well, I'm, when it comes to airfare, yeah, there's a lot driving that, and it's so much more expensive than the prices of eggs, you know, like we know that those have gone up extremely, you know, but I think inflation is up. You guys would know better than me. Like, is it 7% roughly? It's like six and a half percent less CPI okay, numbers. Six and yeah. half. All right. Getting a little better. Great. But airfares are up 28% um, year over yeah. year, December, which is, that's big, you know, and that's not just inflation. That's um, jet fuel, you know, the Russia's invasion of Ukraine, of course, like had a lot to do with that. Um, so jet fuel was really high flight cancellations and just sort of the scrambling of the whole industry in the past few years and the recovery has something to do with it. Staff shortages, thanks to COVID and sort of lingering life changes that people made. The industry still feeling the impacts of not having enough people. And I also think airline management, I think they, they see that demand is high and, you know, they're taking the steering wheel and they think they can get more uh, for their planes, and they're not wrong. <laughs> you know, the, yeah. the planes are pretty packed, and that allows them to to charge more. So travelers like us just have to be a lot more flexible in when 
when we're going, you know, if you, especially if you know where you want to go. Obviously, if you can be flexible with your destination, great. But sometimes you have your heart set on something. And you just have to find like the right time to go there. Yeah. Yeah. If you can be flexible on both, then you're in the catbird seat, even in a time For of sure. anywhere rampant inflation. <laughs> right. But you're right. Like flexibility is is like <laughs> probably the number one rule of, of cheap travel. Yes. I, I'm curious to know, too, like w- w- what's your take on the low fare airlines? Is it worth booking with those to save money? We have some here in the U.S. We've got Spirit. We got Frontier. There's some in Europe. There's Ryanair. There's EasyJet. It, how do you feel about the, these low cost airlines? And, and is it worth most people consider? Are the trade-offs worth it? Great question. I, I think it's kind of a complex issue. I think consumer for consumers to sort of figure out what am I buying? They're gonna see like forty nine dollars to to Las Vegas, you know, from Chicago. And they'll be like, that's amazing. But then they're gonna find out that like everything costs them extra, even like your purse or your backpack that you're carrying on. These rock bottom fares have all these extra fees that you'd really have to sort of figure out which will be charged to you before you can compare them to like a carrier, even like Southwest or let alone American Delta and United. So you have to do some financial calculations to even know if you're looking apples to apples. So I find that misleading and I and I hate the nickel and diming. I mean, I'm, nobody likes that. I, I feel like you're just always getting these surprise fees that come out of nowhere. And then it's sort of like, you know, it like starts on a trip and bad footing. Mm. Um, but another concern that I have is it's it's really like, what is your time worth? The risks of delays with um, these smaller carriers that have these really cheap flights are greater because they don't run a lot of these routes a lot. So like if they only go to Sarasota, you know, from Charleston, like two times a week and weather cancels that that Tuesday flight, there might not be a flight till Friday and they they don't have to accommodate you. They won't. And so you might get mm. stuck. So you got three extra nights that you have to pay for. So I feel like you don't have as much control over your itinerary. I would make an exception. Like, this is when I make an exception. If it's a low-cost carrier that flies a route a lot, so, you know, if something goes wrong, I can, you know, get probably get another flight with them. And I have very little luggage with me. So, like, I did Spirit to Las Vegas with just a tiny backpack that I didn't have to pay for. I think it fell underneath the, yes, you can take a purse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that worked out fine and it was extremely cheap and you know I was fortunate it was on time. But like under other circumstances, I would really think hard about it. Makes sense to consider all of those different factors before booking the absolute cheapest, uh, cheapest <laughs> yeah. flight that you right. can find. So yeah. you, you mentioned Southwest. What happened with them? <laughs> what happened over the holidays? Oh my God. Uh, yeah. and, and do you do you think that fiasco should make make folks reconsider flying with them? They, they're this beloved carrier, and I think they're like number maybe number three uh, overall the rankings at yeah. the end of twenty twenty two. But uh, yeah, do you think that's going to impact how folks view Southwest and whether or not they should fly with them? Yeah, they had such a golden halo around them. You know, they didn't they never charged for bags. They were really flexible in their in their um, you know, cancellation policies and they, they they were really doing things right. But, you know, behind the scenes what really happened is of course the weather and there were preemptive cancellations. Uh, but what really um, tied things up in a knot was this antiquated um, scheduling system that they have for crews. And apparently they didn't know where people were, where aircraft was. And it was hard to sort of <laughs> unscramble it all, which was a huge black eye for their image, of course. Um, and apparently yeah. it's going to cost them over $800 million or something Ooh, um, to make it right with consumers. Yeah, I didn't realize it was uh, yeah. that much. 
I sort of, I mean, I don't know if I would necessarily punish them. I still think that, you know, all things considered, like I said, they do have some really good consumer-friendly policies about baggage and cancellation. And I do think they are making a commitment to upgrade those um, systems. And I would be shocked if something like this ever happened again. It's going to be so punitive for them. Yeah, agreed. You you lose that much money and it's kind of like, let's learn from that mistake. <laughs> let's right. make sure not to make it again. <laughs> because, yeah, it's, it's bad for your bottom line, but it's also bad for the customers who've grown to love you over such a long period of time. Uh, I, I, so one of the things we were talking about, Elaine, right before we hit record was you were talking about how traveling on Tuesdays and Wednesdays can make the most sense when it comes to saving money. Like, What are your top suggestions, like the specific days you fly? How do we get the cheapest flights, especially if, let's say, we're avoiding the flights that look the absolute cheapest when we're searching, searching Google Flights because maybe there are other ancillary fees involved? How do we, yeah, how do we go about finding that sweet spot cheap flight-wise? I mean, I feel like it does take a lot of effort. I use uh, like Google flight tracking a lot. You know, like if mm-hmm. I, I think to myself, like I, I've been tracking a flight to Bonaire. I want to go to Bonaire um, and um, do some scuba diving. And um, I've been looking at that for a while. And, and the cool thing about that is you, know, you can tell Google, this is where I want to go. This is the route I'm flying. Can you please find um, the cheapest dates? And so it'll update you, you know, periodically, as long as you tell it to. And it'll, it'll let me know like, oh, you know, March 7th to the 11th, there's a flight for, you know, $350. Um, And that's the cheapest we can find in this season kind of thing. I find that really helpful. I rarely fly on those like popular days, like a Friday and a Sunday, because they're just everyone is doing the long weekend kind of thing, or trying to do the weekend. I know that uh, workplaces have really busted open and, and people are sort of working remotely a lot, but weekend travel is still very popular. So I just sort of shy away from those generally. And I love to go, I love to travel midweek anyway, just get away from the crowds. Okay. Yeah. Midweek. That makes sense. And uh, talking about other things too, you've written about like hidden city fairs. Are those still worth pursuing to save money? And if so, how do you find those? So those are a little complicated. Um, they can be good. Again, you need to do a lot of research on this. And there is a, a website devoted to finding these for you. And it's called SkipLagged, SkipLagged.com. So Hidden Cities, in case your listeners don't know, is, is if you are booking a flight. Let's see, I just read a really good example of this on Scott's Cheap Flights, which is another site that's really worth looking at if you're strategizing about um, budget budget flights um, now, now known as going yeah they just uh, changed sorry, which, yes yeah yes. What, do you, what do you think about that rebrand by the way i i don't know like i i felt like scott was so allied with the brand um i well i'm still calling it that and i have to get over it yeah, so yeah yep exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, so they used this example where um, it was like Chicago to Paris, but no, it was um, Milwaukee to Paris. And but you were really just trying to get back to Chicago. And so the actual, the actual, um, what you actually want to do is get back to Chicago, but you book a flight to Milwaukee that stops in Chicago and route to Milwaukee, but you get off in Chicago, and therefore forfeit that last leg. And sometimes that three legged flight can be last based on the vagaries of airline ticket pricing uh, models. It's not as really as complicated as it sounds, but it's a little more dangerous than it sounds in the sense that if you do it on the way out, if you don't make one of those legs of your flight, the airline will cancel your forward ticketing. So anything after that missed flight. So you could do it, you can really only do it as a one-way ticket. So again, that's a lot more finagling, doing hmm. two sort of one ways with the hidden city formula, right, if you can right. find it. 
So yeah, how much time do you have? <laughs> how much time do you have? It may not be worth it. It, it feels like one of those spaces where it, where the rules are changing a little bit too, um, because it, it isn't something that they want to see you doing. They're saying that, hey, it's a security issue and all the other things. Well, the, the airlines are flags that they're raising. A few years ago, tried to shut down Skip Lagged mm-hmm. as well, but Skip Lagged, right. I think, won a, won a court case, right? And so right. it's kind of funny. Like, they don't like it. <laughs> they, they don't right. want you doing that. But there are ways, if you're lucky and you're flexible enough to save. No, I totally agree. But it does sort of remind you, like, hey, don't just look at a round trip ticket. Maybe just look at two one ways. I've done that a lot, especially when I got to California. Um, You know, because sometimes you'll get maybe a great fare on Southwest on one leg and you'll come back and United on the other because the red eye was okay. You know, it's just it's worth looking at one ways and then comparing them to the round trips. I love it. Yep. Uh, So speaking of layovers. Uh, we're planning to do a, a Scotland trip uh, this spring, and uh, it, it includes a 24-hour hang in London on the way back. So what, what are your thoughts on that? Are, are, are long layovers, you think, a good way to, to hit up multiple cool spots, or was this a cheap move on our part? <laughs> no, I mean, I don't mind that, because you're already so close to your destination. And yeah. I mean... London is so diverting. I mean, mm. 24 hours in London could be really, really fun. You can take, the obviously, the train in, you know, from Heathrow and, um, you know, anything you can do. I love London walks. They're like five pounds and you get these amazing walks like Shakespeare's London or Dickens London. And it's led by an actor and it's like extraordinarily diverting for five pounds or it might be more now. I'm sorry. Please don't quote me on that. But inflation, um, 52 pounds now, Elaine. <laughs> yes, hey, exactly. it depends on how strong the dollar is. It actually <laughs> right. might be less. Exactly. Than, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, it might be more affordable. Yeah. No, I, I don't think it's a bad move at all. I mean, you're you're on vacation, right? Like that sounds like a really uh, like great excuse to just kind of go wild. I mean, it's such a great walking city. It's so easy to get around um, too on the tube if you just want to like, you know, go from neighborhood to neighborhood. I, I think it's a great move. I think you're going to have fun. Nice. Okay. Right. Cool, cool. I like that. Yeah. And I think it's a way Feeling sometimes about it. kill two birds with one stone, get that other place in. Uh, sadly, we've not been to Scotland. I haven't been to London yet either. So to get to see both, even though London for a short period of time, I think it's kind of a fun way to get to do both. I ends, mean, the Tate galleries are all free. It's just, it's, it's a great city. I think it's a great city to go cheap into. Awesome. Well, all right, uh, Elaine, we have more questions to get to before you want to talk about timing. We want to talk about lodging and transportation and then how you go about paying for the trip as well. We'll get to some of our questions on those fronts right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. And now a word from the show's sponsors at Betterment. Do you want your money to dream big? Do you want your money to be a total self-starter? Are you annoyed that your money doesn't work hard enough? Don't worry. Betterment is here to help. Betterment is the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Their automated technology is built to help maximize returns, meaning when you invest with Betterment, your money can auto-adjust as you get closer to your goal. 
Rebalance if your portfolio gets too far out of line and your dividends are automatically reinvested. That can increase the potential for compound returns. In other words, your money is breaking a sweat while you can be breaking bread. You'll never picture your money the same way again. Betterment, the automated investing and savings app that makes your money hustle. Visit Betterment.com to get started. Investing involves risk. Performance is not guaranteed. Spring cleaning is kind of an annual rite of passage. We've all got to do it, minimize the junk that we have in our house. Emily and I, we just cleaned our closets out. It took hours, but it was so worth it. Now we've only got stuff in there that we love, and it's easier to find everything too. And so, you know, while cleaning your closets is helpful, well, there's something else you can do for your family this spring. Shopping for life insurance with Policy Genius, for example, is a really important part of your financial planning for the year. That's right. Yeah. And here is the thing that's important to remember, because you might be thinking you don't need to check out Policy Genius because you've got a policy through work. But even if you have a life insurance policy through your job, it may not offer you enough protection for your family's needs and it may not follow you if you leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius works for you, not the insurance companies, and that means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Save time and money and provide your family with a financial safety net using Policy Genius. Head to policygenius.com to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. All right, we're back and we are talking with the frugal traveler herself, Elaine Glusak. Elaine, what are some of your favorite sites for booking hotels and cars? We just talked about finding the most affordable airfare right before the break. Let's talk about lodging and transportation. How do you score the best deals there? Well, I usually start pretty generally with Google. Uh, This is with regard to hotels. I just kind of see, I want to see what's out there. But I have to say, a lot of times I find Google lowballs the fares, uh, the rates that they're charging at hotels, because I always go directly then to the hotel to see if Google's right. And Google is wrong a lot. I don't know if you guys have Hmm. ever found that. But yeah, they seem to lowball rates somehow. They're misleading you, making you think it's going to be cheaper than it actually is. Yeah, I think, and who knows, maybe the, you know, I don't know how their algorithms work. Maybe they're looking at like, you know, the lowest of low season fares or rates, you know, Mm -hmm. and this is what they come Mm -hmm. up with. And I always go back to the hotel and I'm like, wait, it's not $90, it's $250. That's like way different. But it's a good, it's a good place to start to at least see what's out there. Obviously, Airbnb, I use that a lot. Airbnb is obviously not as cheap as it like seemingly was when it started there's so many more mm-hmm. fees now and sometimes the fees are not you know you sort of don't realize that hey that $100 a night place has a $150 you know cleaning fee i feel like the consumer has to be so um has to really look at you know look at that final page before you hit buy it's it's so important to look at all the fees and everyone's doing it you know even the hotels with like resort fees and stuff I usually book direct wherever I'm going. I don't really use OTAs or online travel agencies. Um, sometimes they offer a little bit lower rates, but I feel like you lose a bit of control. I feel like the hotel values you a little bit more if they don't have to pay the middleman. And sometimes that can pay off in uh, how you're treated at the hotel or a room that you get. Um, and I find that the price difference isn't that great, that it you know mm-hmm. warrants me like saving $5. So I guess it sort of depends on how strict you are on, on your budget. But I feel like some things are worth paying up for. 
Yeah, um, no, I think you're right. I think the the price discrepancy between something like booking through Priceline or versus the hotel directly was a pr- there's a pretty big gap, probably like five, seven, ten years ago. But that gap mm-hmm. seems to have closed quite a bit. Yeah, I think hotels have, have really tried to do that and really encourage people to book with them directly and, and, and given people perks to do so because they don't really want to give away that money. With with rental cars, like again, it's sort of like going to the general. Um, I do like the search engines. I use Kayak for a lot of stuff, you know, flights especially, um, but you can do it for rental cars. I find Turo, uh, T-U-R-O.com is a good site if you want to rent somebody else's car, which is kind of nice in some situations i wanted to get an electric vehicle once in colorado um and they're really hard to find at the um, major car rental agencies so i used turo and i got this amazing um nissan leaf for like you know 50 dollars a day nice obviously didn't have to pay for gas so that turo is um people are on to turo i have to say like the rates seemingly used to be a little bit better but um turo's gotten wise to itself and so it's it's rates can sometimes like be similar to other car rental agencies but it's worth really looking at them as an alternative they usually are less than what like avis hertz thrifty are charging okay yeah just another place to look for sure and and you've actually you've written about so besides staying at hotels and airbnbs you've written about staying uh, at different places for free how how would one manage to maybe go on a trip and get free lodging? Uh, <laughs> it, are there certain sites? Is there certain like swaps that you have to do? Like how how could people make that happen? Oh, um, I guess you know the, probably the best way to do that would be to do to be a house sitter. Trustedhousesitters.com is the um, is a is a big one here in the United States, and they um, have house sits globally. And usually you're a little bit at the whim of where they are versus like where you want to go. I find it most attractive if you're a little bit flexible with your destination. But there's some amazing places that people want, need people to watch their house. And usually it's like Mm. you also have to walk their dog or feed their cat. But people who love it and have done it successfully use it as a way to, to really see the world at a bargain rate. And they also extol the benefits of sort of being a local, really living like a local, like you're walking someone's dog in their neighborhood. You know, you're going to meet other dog owners. So it's kind of a nice perk and it is absolutely free i mean i think you have to have a like a nominal membership hundred dollars or something um to the site and you do have to be selected you have to apply but that's a great way to stay somewhere for free very cool uh elaine i want to ask you about destinations uh i'm curious if you've got any favorite inexpensive under the radar destinations and in particular i'd love to hear if you have some more affordable alternatives to more popular spots, right? Mm. And so oftentimes for a lot of folks, Hawaii, that's mm. a destination that folks will talk about for yeah. for a while. It's a spot that Kate, my wife and I, that we've discussed before, but if we're like, well, is there a more affordable poor, place? Poor man's Hawaii. Yeah, yeah, like a poor man's <laughs> Hawaii. I'd be yeah. curious to hear if you had some affordable alternative destinations for folks that are just kind of under the radar. That's actually a great question because I was looking at Hawaii last fall and I was like, oh my gosh, this is this is nuts. I cannot, I cannot go there. I was like looking at Kauai and I was like, wait a minute, there's not a hotel under like $400 here. I'm like, no. They'd strip everybody. you of your title, the frugal traveler. Yes. They'd be like, sorry, Elaine, you can't. <laughs> everybody wants to go there. The prices are through the roof. 
It is crazy. So, you know, we're, I ended up going to the Azores. Um, so the Azores are um, Portuguese islands that are sort of in the Atlantic, I guess 700 miles or so east of Lisbon. And I got there and, um, you know, I was attracted to it because it's, you know, volcanic islands, great hiking, wonderful waterfalls, there's even surfing. And then when I got yes, there, yes, the yes. Europeans, were, <laughs> yeah, the Europeans were like, oh yeah, it's the Hawaii of Europe. And I'm like, okay, that oh. makes sense. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's it's on the Euro. Um, and at that time it was one-to-one. We were there in the fall. It's still really good it's like 92 cents to the dollar uh or i'm saying that the wrong a dollar gets you 92 euro cents yeah we went in the off season i think you you know you might want to avoid like european vacation which is you know august july but we were there in october and it was exceedingly mild wonderful hiking like you could still hike to a waterfall and go in the waterfall it was really beautiful um very cool food food was a bargain we were shocked you know lodging was affordable like i thought i thought it was a great find i still want to go to Kauai. (laughs) i just have to find a better time i guess okay cool no i like that and i think for a while i think delta was flying Nonstop uh, to the Azores from Atlanta. So for us, that's a oh yeah, it's a good. Pick. Oh, there you go. And um, I think United does it seasonally out of Newark. Uh, we okay. took Azores airline out of Boston, and it was like, I mean, it's like a five-hour flight, so it's really easy to. But yeah, I mean, so that brings up a uh, a point to make about an exchange exchange rate. So obviously, great places to go are you know our exchange rate friends like Canada um, and Mexico um, for so long. Both of those have been a great bargain. You know, when you exchange the dollar, you get you know such value um, in both of those places. So I, I think I think Canada gets overlooked a lot, and it's it's um it's it's like thirty percent off basically. It's uh, so it's really great. I think South America has a lot of value, and uh, for some reason we in North America don't think about them. But every time I've been down there, I'm like it's extraordinary, and um, I don't find the cost of living very high. Highly recommend yeah, moving it- into. It's cheaper once you get there, but it feels like we've always had, or at least over the last decade, cheaper flights to Europe than we've been able to get to South America, which has kind of been frustrating. Yeah, there. Well, a lot of the um, South American carriers like uh, Avianca and even Copa out of Panama now has some really good fares, um, and they'll go. You know, you might have to connect through Panama, but. They're pretty good. I went down to Ecuador last May, and I was pretty excited about it. I want to say like. I want to say my fair round trip was about 700, which I didn't think was that bad considering that it is as far as going to Europe. I mm-hmm. think that was on Avianca. Yeah. yeah. Okay. All right. So when you're making purchases overseas, when you're traveling, are you using credit cards? Are you into credit card points? What do you tell folks when they're talking, like trying to figure out how to pay for travel? We, of course, don't want people to use a credit card and then not pay it off, but it's also typically the best tool we say for people to be able to pay for pay for things overseas when it comes to exchange rates and avoiding fees but what yeah what are your thoughts how do you spend money when you're abroad yeah i i do always use a credit card just because i i want those points and i also want the better exchange i want the better exchange rate that you get through the bank than you're going to get you know using dollars or um any other form really taking out money taking out cash i i mean Points people are real specialists. You guys probably know them and you probably have interviewed them. And I feel like it's a real specialty to really maximize the use of your credit card points. Um, Uh And I 
find that it requires a level of attention that I don't have, and I'm <laughs> really bad at it. Like, I do use my points for um, flights and stuff like that. But, um, you know, the points guy has a new app um, that aggregates all your points. So it's it's kind of a good starting place for anyone that wants to see how wealthy they are on paper with all their points. And then maybe you'll spin <laughs> that into a trip. Like, I do I do recommend that. I do have that on my phone. And every once in a while I look at it and I go, oh, man, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like huge at American Airlines. I need to go somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> Got to spin that thing down. Like the yeah. Warren Buffett of frequent flyer miles. Points are just burning a hole in my head. <laughs> and the thing is, they say like points constantly devalue. So it's like, don't do not hoard them like you need to use right. them. So I do. I do actually try to use mine a lot. And sometimes I'll use them for upgrades. Very cool. Elaine, so last summer you wrote about how cruises how they seem to be a solid option for folks uh, who are looking to travel and, and not spend a ton of money. You know, they w- I feel like cruises went from this thing that <laughs> everybody was trying to, everybody was staying away from <laughs> around the beginning of the pandemic with folks who were just like quarantined <laughs> and locked on a boat for 30 days. But the attitudes have changed. And if that's where the deals are, should we consider them? Uh, what would you What would you say to that? I mean, yeah, you can get on a lot of really inexpensive cruises for sure. Like especially in popular places like the Caribbean and Alaska, like you can do seven days in Alaska for $400. So that's your lodging and what? all your food. Yeah. I mean, oh, wow. like, that's, that's never That's pretty good. So I've never been on a cruise before. <laughs> Maybe I should consider it. If I, I was going to do one, I think Alaska would be my number one oh, choice. Yeah. yeah. You want to see it like or an, be ice, up there, an like. iceberg get calved or yeah. whatever? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes, you want to see that. I, You know, there's like... um in the cruise industry they'll say that like there are ship cruises and there are destination cruises like ship cruises are like you're really there for the ship like maybe in the caribbean but like alaska is a destination cruise like you want to mm-hmm. go there to like get off the ship and do stuff and the cool thing about alaska is that like you kind of don't have to pay for expensive excursions to really enjoy it like you can get off and just go hiking you know and, and it's amazing yeah. and, and then get back on the ship you know and have like fish and chips in port you know it's 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 like pretty awesome Anyway, I love Alaska. I'm kind of an Alaska geek. So, right. so yeah, I think cruises can be a, a good place for, for value. You, you kind of got to watch it. They're, I feel like they do always try to upsell you, especially when it comes to like alcohol and onboard purchases. Um, and they do want you to take their excursions and they tend to like scare you. Oh, if if you go with someone else who's not, you know, certified by our ship, then and if you miss the boat coming back, then, you know, we, we have no liability. But, you know, you're not going to do that. Um, yeah. I, I am a big proponent of just yeah. getting off the ship and wandering around and you know you're gonna have a great time <laughs> without okay. spending and what about booking a cruise where would you tell people to go because like the, the flights it's a little easier to track and get but it's I, when you when you're like trying to figure out where to go to book the cruise i don't want to go to carnival.com right like where do i want to go to check out like the best fares best rates for a bunch of different cruise ships yeah i mean it's um a little bit of a unexpected answer but like travel agents really have this market sewn up like they have a lot of power in the in the cruise industry and if you book through one of them usually they can get you better perks and placement on the ship and and you know maybe a few extras so um, it's not often that i would recommend a travel agent but a lot of them Hmm. really kind of know their industry um and it's it can be really hard i think for someone who's never cruised before to say like what do i want Uh, you know there's like so many ships to choose from you know what's what's a good value what's the right one for me and i think like in that case you might want a specialist and as i said they can often give you like if not a better rate they can get you some perks yeah well so on that note i mean so costco sam's club 
the warehouse clubs, they've got their own their own travel programs. Um, uh, AAA, oh, yeah, sure. like that membership often comes with discounts as well. Does it make sense to turn to some of those programs if you're looking to book travel, whether you're looking at cruises or other types of travel? Yes, I think so. I mean, people that I haven't done that myself. I, I think we have we do have AAA membership. I mean, just for road tripping. And I think we get like 10% off of the major branded hotels, which we don't stay at a lot anyway. Um, but, you know, people swear by Costco for trips. Um, like people have even told me like their safaris are amazing. I'm like, really? Hmm. <laughs> um, Interesting. Well, Joel swears yeah. by Costco no matter what. And yeah. so for yeah. him to be able to go on a safari that also says Kirkland Signature on it, I I've, think he'd be overjoyed. <laughs> I've got the Kirkland Signature lower back tattoo, Elaine. So. There you go. And I think yeah. like um, with rental cars, though, they, they always have good deals. I feel like if you can't get 10% okay. off your rental car, you're not like getting the best deal because I feel like that's available in so many ways. Nice. Very That's cool. Good to know about. Um, well, we've got a few more uh, additional topics, some some more questions to get to, Elaine, including Joel and I. We both got a lot of kids, and we're starting to consider traveling more with our kiddos. So we're going to ask you a question about that and more right after this. Asking the right questions can greatly impact your future, especially when it comes to your finances. So if you're looking for a financial advisor you can trust, certified financial planner professionals are committed to acting in your best interest. They are committed to high ethical standards and even had to pass a rigorous exam before they could become a CFP professional. They offer financial planning and services that take a more comprehensive view of your financial and personal circumstances and are customized for your needs. Certified financial planner professionals can offer advice on a wide range of issues like reviewing your investment portfolio's allocation, handling an inheritance, rolling over a company retirement plan, building education savings, and so much more. That's why it's got to be a CFP. Find your CFP professional at letsmakeaplan.org. If you're listening to this podcast right now and you're a small business owner, listen up. Upswell Marketing would like to remind you that when customers choose your small business, they're actually choosing you. So focus on super serving your existing customers and let Upswell handle the pipeline generation of new leads and customers. They do everything from hyper-targeting best fit prospects through campaign optimization. Upswell Marketing's unique approach includes direct mail, search engine marketing, and social media ads, and has fueled more than 10,000 small business success stories. Upswell specializes in developing customized direct response campaigns and is now offering a no-obligation free assessment of your current marketing strategies. Not to mention, new customers also receive 15% off their first order when they mention that they heard about Upswell on this podcast. For more information, visit upswellmarketing.com. That's upswellmarketing.com. Kachava is the all-in-one superfood shake made up of high-quality plant-based nutrients. It's got greens, superfruits, plant proteins, antioxidants, adaptogens, probiotics, and in other words, everything your body craves to feel your best. This is where Kachava really earns their 52,000-plus five-star reviews. It tastes amazing. It's creamy and smooth with just water, and it comes in five delicious flavors. You can choose from chocolate, vanilla, chai, matcha, and coconut acai. Kachava is offering How to Money listeners 10% off for a limited time. I've been using Kachava in breakfast smoothies in the morning recently. It's just so nice to pack in a bunch of nutrients early in the a.m. in a way that's satisfying and energizing. So if you want to optimize your breakfast, your workout shake, be sure to check out Kachava. Just go to kachava.com. 
dot com slash how to money. That's spelled K A C H A V A and get ten percent off your first order. That's K A C H A V A dot com slash how to money. All right, let's keep going. We're talking about frugal travel with uh, Elaine Glusak from the New York Times. She is the frugal traveler. And uh, Elaine, I want to ask too, like one of the things that can help save money, right, is taking a longer trip. Granted, for most Americans, it's hard to get away from work that long. It's hard to take a month and a half long (laughs) sabbatical. But uh, yeah, do you prefer, I'm I'm curious, do you prefer long travel, short travel? Do you like to be in a place for an entire month uh, where it's going to cost more overall, but you're going to have a lower price per day? Like, How do you think about the timing of travel? I think if I didn't have this job, I'd probably stay longer. <laughs> but usually I have to go on to the next thing. Um, but I think, gotcha. um, you know, because a lot of times if you're going abroad, the biggest ticket item is going to be that flight, you know, so if you can stay longer, you're sort of like amortizing mm-hmm. that that price out. Um, obviously better for the environment as well. But um, and often like Airbnbs will have discount discounted rates for longer stays um, of two weeks or more. So you can get like 10 or 20 percent off, which is really great. I would love to stay longer. And I know more people are doing that. For me, it's just a little bit harder. I will say that I am I am I am trying to take a little more time. I think um, before the pandemic, the, the treadmill was running a little too fast. Do you, I mean, do you have any additional tips? Though? I think there's a lot of folks out there who are starting to realize that they can potentially live that digital nomad lifestyle, right? And so, yeah, what, what tips do you, you know might you have for folks who, who want to travel nonstop um, and oh, for to sure. be able to work from wherever? Yeah, so the good news is that there's a lot of, um, you know, this is happening and there's the travel industry is adapting to this and they're pretty excited about it. Like, And in addition to, you know, just regular hotel and hostel companies breaking into this, there's a, a brand called Selena, S-E-L-I-N-A, which is kind of like um, it's kind of like a hostel meets a co-working space, and you can you can literally stay there for four hundred dollars a month, which is like really good. I don't I don't know anyone who pays four hundred dollars a month in rent. Like, it's really good. Nope. Obviously, you still have you know your living expenses, food, and entertainment and things, but but um, it's a great way to go. And they have locations all around the world, and then they are, they really set up for people that are actually working. Um, you know, great Wi-Fi, good connections, working spaces, meeting spaces. It's so much easier easier now to do what, you know, pioneering digital nomads were doing, you know, so long ago in just a few locations, you know, like people used to just go to Thailand, you know, because it was really affordable and stay there for a month. Mm -hmm. Now you can go all over the world um, with someone like Selena and just and, and make it really affordable. That's actually where my little sister is right now. She's hanging out in Thailand and it is, ah. uh, I've been there. It is dirt cheap and absolutely lovely place to, to visit. But right. yeah, it's interesting. I think you hit on something great there that probably needs to be even reinforced that a digital nomads, I feel like can live cheaper than their just American based counterparts because there's, it just feels like there's so many ways to travel inexpensively, to stay places inexpensively, to pinpoint the places that you visit, right. To make sure that your travel uh, actually costs you less than your life back at home. Oh yeah, for sure. And a lot of, um, a lot of governments are making it easier to do this too by offering these nomad, uh, sorry, visas um, to remote workers or even retired people with a certain income level. They're really courting these people that will stay for a long time and support their economies. Hmm. And as you know, like Thailand, um, Ecuador, uh, Greece, a lot of these places are um, just full of 
nomads, whether they're like seniors or like your sister, who's probably not. (laughs) (laughs) She's not living there. She's just visiting. But she's the kind of person I could totally see, you know, uh, just leaving this country and saving a lot of money and living kind of kind of that international nomad lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Elaine, so I kind of alluded to this uh, right before the break, but Joel and I, we, we feel that we're kind of starting to get to the stage where we can do some bigger family trips now that we're out of the newborn stage. That being said, I know a lot of folks travel with their babies yeah. as well. Uh, but do you have tips for making family travel less painful? You know, you <laughs> talked about how you and, like, while you were a kid, y'all went on a lot of road trips. Obviously, that's the most affordable way, right? It's right. like you don't buy six separate Hop plane in the station wagon <laughs> you all get in the car and pay for uh fill up one tank of of gas but i would love to hear your tips here yeah i mean i am a huge proponent of family travel i mean i think start early and go often i just you know i just think the value of travel can't be overstated to like a hungry growing mind um like a child's um i, I think mm. it's so important and and as you said like road trips are great you know basically you've got your traveling living room right like nobody knows what's happening in your car there there are children napping there's cheerios everywhere it's fine like nobody has to napping pooping screaming yeah all at once yep all of it yeah um and you know you don't have to go yeah and you don't have to go far to find adventure like you can go camping down the road you know or start in your backyard you know or take your bikes out for a day trip like Obviously, you have to mind their, like, energy levels, and that's when the car always comes in, like, candy. Like, okay, throw you in here now. We're all napping. <laughs> but, yeah, so starting with road trips, of course, I think camping is great. Kids kids love that. And I also think, like, the challenge of, like, sort of living off the grid is really fun for everybody. Like, hey, how do we start a fire, you know? And how are we going to cook this dinner? We don't have, like, a microwave. How do we make popcorn? Yeah, yeah. This, You know, these are, like, great challenges and, and really fun for kids. I... I was just in Death Valley National Park doing a camping trip myself. I did a van trip, actually, with a friend. And um, we were, we were like, hiking through these canyons. And it was just like, this. we were like, this is the most amazing living playground. And then just as we said that to each other, and we both have kids, we turned around and we saw this, like, dad and his son. And the, and the son was, like, walking on these ledges and jumping down into the sand. And, you know, the, the <laughs> dad would do it. And I was like, oh, my God, that's, like... That's exactly why we travel, right? To yeah. to unplug and and have all these great these great memories together. Yeah. Well, your story there just makes me think too. Do you feel like with the the advent of like cheap airfare to Europe and stuff like that, that we're like travel inside this country is underutilized? I feel like there's so many great destinations, and maybe we're like, eh. I mean, I I live to, I live in this country, even though it's so diverse. There's 50 states. There's like tons of national parks to go see. There's amazing things to go do that we just kind of underrate domestic travel. Oh, that's a good question. I. Don't know. I, yeah, for sure, domestic can be um, more affordable when you're, you know, paying for the whole clan. I will say one thing in the European corner is that I do find that the the cultures there are super family friendly, and in a way that we're not. I feel like family friendly in the United States is shorthand for like, oh, send the kid to Disney, which is not, I mean, that, right. that's not the way that I want to raise my kid. It's not what I'm into. I don't like theme parks. But I felt like if I went to Spain, like I'd be allowed to take him to like nice restaurants and um, mm. and everyone would be okay with that. And, you know, you could take him to the Guggenheim and Bilbao and no one's going to like look at you sideways if he goes, wow, really loud, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's a pretty tolerant um 
uh, like clan friendly um, culture. So oh, I always yeah. thought that that was kind of a nice thing to introduce your children to when they're small enough to realize that, you know, there's cultures that treat you like full individuals, um, not just like, I guess, to be heard, you know, seen and not heard, which I do feel right. like, I do feel like is somehow like, it's very infantilizing here the way they treat children and I would hmm. I sort of prefer the European approach but as you said there's so many like natural wonders to see here um, and you know start start wherever you can afford it is, is my advice I love it yeah I like that approach too how you're you're talking about kids um, how maybe they shouldn't be second rate citizens yeah right? like, like yeah. maybe no, we should no. treat them more like adults and, and they will be able to grow into that to a certain extent absolutely but um if more than anything i think hearing your stories and you naming all these different destinations and going on a trip with a girlfriend here and then you know going up to canada or, or alaska doing fishing or whatever you know hiking like these are all so inspiring and hopefully folks have been able to feel encouraged maybe to get out there. I think I got bit by the travel bug again. Yeah, so. exactly. All right. Um, <laughs> but I mean, generally speaking, you know, travel, it's, it's one thing, but frugal travel, that is another. Um, and so do you have any final additional advice maybe that we haven't covered yet for our, our listeners out there who want to book some more frugal travel? Yeah, I think that um, one of the things that traveling well requires is a fair amount of research. So I like the planning it sounds like you guys do too. Like I find it really intriguing to say like, oh, I want to go to Scotland, but where do I want to go in Scotland? I, I need to read a book yeah. on Scotland and figure that out. Like I love doing that. And um, it's half the fun you know, is dreaming about it. It totally is. And you know, and, and the anticipation and all that stuff, um, but not everybody does. So I, I get that, you know, and for those people, they might want to outsource their planning, you know, to someone who is an expert because they don't have time to become like an expert in Scotland in the two weeks that you have to plan this trip. And so, you know, there's an industry for those people. It's called travel agents. And um, and there are a lot of good ones. But I think if you're, you know, a, a frugal traveler and you're looking for a travel agent, you need to like basically find someone who gets you, you know, like basically interview them and let them know what your budget is. And are they willing to work with that? I think there's so many travel agents now that you probably can find some people. There's a lot of home-based travel agents. Um, a lot of that work is very remote and part-time for people. So I think there are a lot more options. It's a little bit hard to find them. I'm not saying it's it's going to be easy. So that might be your, you know, your research. There's always some research, I guess. But yeah, um, know what your, your budget is and, and make sure that they're aware that, you know, you're, you're pretty firm about it. All right. That's great. Elaine, so much good advice in this conversation. Thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We really appreciate it. Oh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Nice. All right, Joel. So what do you think? Is it going to be the Azores for you? Is it going to be Ecuador? I'm going to choose D, all the above. Can, Can I do that? Even Canada? Yeah. I mean, okay. <laughs> they, they, got, they got the discount. Is yeah. it? She said, uh, is the dollar 30% stronger? I think so. Than the Canadian dollar? I, I will say the Alaska cruise, I'm not really, I've never been on a cruise. I don't have a ton of interest. But yeah, if it's a destination cruise, that mm. does interest me. And, and uh, an Alaska cruise has been kind of on my radar at least. And if it's 400 bucks for a week? That sounds, I mean. That you, sounds like something I'm down with. How, how can they, like where is the profit? Like it seems like they're losing money. If you're paying for a week, you gotta fill that thing up with some gas, well, right? I think you gotta scrub the deck like during the <laughs> during the hours like that. But the, even just the food, I mean, yeah, the, the, the fact that meals are included yeah. in that price as well, that's Pretty crazy Pretty in, in addition to be Granted, able to, being able to see the we'd have to get up there and stuff. to the port, right? First off, right, so that's right, an right, added that's expense. But still, um, it's, 
it's uh, pretty sa- cool. Sounds pretty cheap for a fun trip. So yeah. wait, so I'm was interested. that your big takeaway, or do you got another one? No, that was that was cool. But I think um, I, I really liked kind of at the end how uh, Elaine made travel feel accessible to everyone, when and basically said start with what you can afford. Mm-hmm. And I think if travel is something that interests you, but you feel like oh, I don't have the money, I can't, I, I can't jet set to Europe. I I don't have the time or the ability to take a week off and the money to boot, you know, to make that trip happen. Starting with what you can afford is a good mindset, a good way to kind of get the ball rolling. And it doesn't have to be this out of the park, once in a lifetime, Instagram worthy excursion, but it can be an awesome trip. I was just thinking about one of the last tricks, tri- trips that Emily and I took, and we hiked the Tallulah Gorge in just about an hour and a half north of where we are. Mm-hmm. We and, and just like we could have camped right outside of there if we wanted, we didn't. We got a cheap Airbnb, but there's so many ways to do this cool stuff that we want to do for less money. Yeah. If yep. you know you're like, if money's the thing that's holding you back, start with what you can afford, find stuff that's local. It doesn't have to cost that much, and yeah, work yourself up over time to, so, to that international Scotland trip or whatever. But uh, yeah, I, I think that was just encouraging good advice from, from Elaine there. Yeah, that's a good uh, good thing to remember, like from an internal standpoint yeah. with how it is that we think about travel and what it is that we can afford. So I'll, I'll get super kind of super practical. When we were talking about uh, discount airlines, I really liked how she focused, she brought up the fact that if it is a route that an airline doesn't fly all that often, mm-hmm. like twice a week <laughs> or something like that, if there's a delay, you're screwed. And that is not the kind of position that you want to be in. However, if you see that, oh, you have a wide variety of times that you can choose from. So they're flying, you know, I don't know, like five times a day from, to and from this location. Well, that's, that's a different story. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think as long as you know what the fees are that you're, you're going to be paying to you know, carry your, your backpack onto the plane, because you're going to be oftentimes nickel and dimed, I still think it can be a fantastic way to make travel by plane, uh, airfare, more affordable. Sure. Um, you just got to kind of jump through the hoops. Know the hoops yeah, and jump exactly. through them. Yeah. yeah. So is it annoying sometimes that you have to jump through hoops? Yes. But I think simultaneously it makes it more more approachable. It makes traveling by plane within reach for a lot of folks where, sure. when otherwise it, it wouldn't be. Completely agree. Because they're yeah. not flying on the, the luxury. They're not flying the Deltas and Emirates. Yeah. Well, some of those expensive. would have been prohibitive in cost <laughs> and you're like, okay, cool. Uh, but they're like, I can do Frontier though. Exactly. <laughs> and if you know how to jump through those hoops and make it work for you, that's great. Yeah. And some trips you might want to take that risk and others you might not. Depends yeah. on kind of what you're going for. Depends on the destination yeah. and routes. Yeah. Exactly. There's so a, a litany of factors. All the specifics. But uh, it's just, uh, yeah, fun to catch up with Elaine, the frugal traveler but uh, matt cool. what, what were your thoughts on the beer that we had today oh, yeah this one was called society and solitude number no. six by hill farmstead yeah what'd you think so a couple things right off the bat this is a hill farmstead beer which we've never had on the show before this is a difficult brewery to get your hands on uh, and then secondly I'll and we out. only got it by the way because listener michael oh, that's right sent it to us so big thanks uh, big thanks to him him as well as his wife emily uh, listener of the show but yeah thank you so much for sending this one our way but also this is a an experimental ipa series uh, and it's named after ralph waldo emerson's seminal work of the same name society and solitude mm. i like I, it i have not read it uh i haven't either but number six and so this is uh you know it's more experimental but i liked it as well because we're, we're talking about travel and you got society and solitude i feel like those are the different things that oftentimes you're going for yeah. when uh, when you're planning a trip you're going to visit a new city or going out in the woods by yourself yeah, like yes. <laughs> something like that or maybe absolutely. a little bit of both absolutely but yeah yeah it, in short this was a really really good ipa it wasn't like 
off the charts uh, in the deep end when it came to like the hazy characteristics. But mm-hmm. it also it wasn't necessarily like a West Coast IPA. It was just it seemed like a really solid quality IPA. Yeah, just classic in its approach. I thought nothing crazy, but very very well made. You could just tell like uh, the brewer knew what he or she was doing. They used quality ingredients. So I dug this one. It's, it's really good. Nothing. Yeah, no, nothing. I, I feel like in craft beer right now. Kitchen sink beers are all the rage, and so it's like, oh, they're fruity pebbles and fruit loops, and uh, you know, we just all sorts of random stuff being tossed into beers. This one felt like kind of a throwback to a classic, where it's like Incredibly just a few nuanced. ingredients, simple but yeah. great, so. yeah, high quality ingredients though. And it was, I'll, I'll say too as well, it was a touch, uh, it was a touch on the bitter side, like mm-hmm. the, the it, there was the the sharpness from the hops. Overall, the beer didn't carry too much of a like a backbone of sweetness, but uh, even still, I definitely enjoyed it. Even though I do tend to lean towards the sweeter beers yeah. that are out there, but uh, we'll make sure to, to link to Elaine specifically where you can read her articles uh, over at the Times. We'll link to her site as well as her Instagram account and some of the different yeah some of the different social media accounts, uh, and maybe you can keep up with wherever she might be in the world. For sure, yeah, and reading her stuff is just going to help you continue to make frugal travel choices because yeah. she's the best at that. So, all right, Matt, that's going to do it for this episode. Until next time, best friends out. Best friends out. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher, back with another season of the global number one podcast, The Girlfriends. Last time, we investigated the murder of Gail Katz. This time, we're uncovering the identity of the woman who was buried in Gail's grave for a decade before she disappeared. Join me and the rest of the club as we tell her story. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.